uh, you know, he told me, he said, pick up all the keys you can. And I said, well, tell me, you know, what, what does that mean? And he said, well, you know, keys can be, can be anything. He said, it could be reading a book. It could be get, getting a degree. It could be meeting a new person, uh, taking a class, starting a business. All of those, he said, uh, just pick up as many keys as you can throughout your long, uh, young life. Because he said, if you come upon a door and that door is locked and you, and you passed up picking up that key, you only have yourself to blame. If you're looking to leave the nine to five and elevate your side hustle, the Hustle the Day podcast is the podcast for you. Your host, Trent Bray, left the nine to five grind behind and is helping others do the same and focus on the future. Hear from others who have done it and how they did it. Jump in as we talk entrepreneurship, mindset, and strategy. Just take it one day at a time and hustle the day. On this episode of the Hustle the Day podcast, I am fortunate to have my friend Jason Woodland on the show. Jason is a very interesting individual with lots of fascinating stories dating back to being a graffiti artist, to network marketing, to serving the community most recently through life insurance and he has amazing stories along the way you're gonna want to check this one out love his mindset let's get into it what's up everybody welcome to the hustle the day podcast my name is trent super excited to have my good friend jason woodland here today jason why don't you jump in tell the audience a little bit about yourself hey what's happening trent thank you very much for having me on your show it's a a real pleasure um, it was fun having you on my show. So it was uh, uh, fun to, to play this uh, back and forth and being able to, to speak with you a little bit further. Um, so uh, a little bit about myself, I'd say uh, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm, I'm a reader, um, I'm a meditator. I love uh, getting involved and in learning about uh, financial markets and business. And uh, yeah, I current, my current business is a life insurance brokerage firm, which I'm phenomenally passionate about. Um, but most of all, I love helping people regardless of whether it's with my business uh, specifically or connecting them with uh, other people within the community and uh, love being involved in uh, philanthropic work and uh, just community efforts in general. And that's in a nutshell. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the interesting thing is you you talked about the community aspect and that is something that I have known you for is being somebody who connects people and it seems to be reciprocated tremendously to back to you. So can you tell me a little bit about your efforts to build a community and connect individuals to each other? Yeah, absolutely. So my, my uh, take on the concept of, of building community and making friends and that kind of stuff is literally all about being of service. I think that's absolutely imperative. And I think sometimes uh, people miss that boat when they get involved in, you know, whether it be networking or, you know, whatever they're, they're trying to do to build business is they, I, I think that sometimes people do this is they'll do something with the hope of something coming back. And I know that, uh, you know, I, I feel like one of the many reasons why we're friends is because we both have that mentality of give with zero expectation. If something comes back, that's all fine and dandy. And if it doesn't, that's fine too, um, because it's about being of service to the community and helping other people uh, achieve what they're trying to achieve as well. No, I definitely agree that you do have to give without expectation to really get those things to come back to you. Because if you, give with expectation when you don't get something that you perceive as right back 
you're going to be burned by it and you're not going to want to keep giving because you didn't get the expected return. Right. Right. Exactly. <clears throat> and I think that, um, you know, just, I mean, pouring into the idea of entrepreneurship all to begin with is all about being of service. Um, you know, that's my, that's my initial take. You know, I got involved in, in the whole idea of entrepreneurship really out of necessity when I was, when I was a kid. Um, you know, my, uh, my parents, both absolutely amazing people, both very talented, uh, both uh, struggled pretty severely with alcoholism. They were divorced at age six. And it was just my mother and my sister and I for uh, a bit of time. You know, we were sort of like the, the three musketeers, so to speak. And uh, there, was, there was a few periods of time where, where she was uh, suffering pretty severely um, along those lines. And, and uh, there was periods of time here and there that she was out of work. And um, it sort of forced my hand to just sort of get out in the, in the uh, world and try to figure things out. And, and some of those things were uh, not the best things. Uh, you know, I, I stole a few hub, hubcaps in my, in my younger days and uh, uh, to, to go get um, some SpaghettiOs and, and that kind of stuff over the store. Um, but uh, that's it. So, like I said, it was out of necessity. And uh, getting, you know, growing up around that um, type of environment. And of course, you know, thankfully, overall, my mom, uh, you know, ended up getting away from that. She did ultimately pass away um, from falling back into some of those uh, types of habits. But either way, she was a phenomenal inspiration to me. Um, like I said, you know, it, it was it was just periods of time when she was when she was uh, suffering along those lines. But when she wasn't. Like I said, she was an unbelievable force in this world. In fact, uh, I mean, her her force still lives. You know, she was a singer. She had her own record. She was a spokeswoman for Fort Worth National Bank. Um, you know, I mean, she she really made a very heavy dent in this world, and I'm forever thankful for that. Um, but uh, you know, growing up uh, around that time, uh, when we when we had to uh, put my mother into a live-in Alcoholics Anonymous program, that I was in the fifth grade. My sister and I were sent to live with my grandfather and my grandmother, um, who were pretty pretty strict overall. Um, my my grandfather was a former vice president of Conical Oil out of uh, Dallas Fort Worth, and he was a, a strictly business type of character. And I'm saying strictly business. In fact, I think, to my knowledge, I was one of the first people like he had actually hugged and said, "I love you too." My mom was even dumbfounded. She's like, whoa, I don't know if I've ever heard him say that. Um, but anyway, uh, when, when we were living there, he was having us, um, having me anyway, read uh, college level books. And keep in mind, I was in fifth grade and I'd, I'd be like, I don't even know all these words. And he said, well, that's what the dictionary is for. So I'd have this book open and I'd have the dictionary sitting right next to it. And, uh, and how that worked uh, when we'd come home from school he'd make me memorize three words out of the dictionary every single day um, and their exact definition. And if they were a verb, adjective, noun, et cetera, um, and then do my homework and then I could go out and play. But then when I got back in, I, I, you know, it was bath time and then it was reading time. And like I said, uh, reading, you know, pretty uh, intense books. And that's what uh, led me to my, my absolute love of reading today. But anyway, I'd say that that was uh, a lot of my foundation in, uh, um, you know, the, the concept of entrepreneurship, but not just entrepreneurship, but in terms of just being an independent thinker and being a critical thinker. 
because uh, there was obviously a lot of uh, things to navigate in my young days uh, along those lines and, uh, you know, living with them and then ultimately moving back in with uh, our mother and being able to grow and, and uh, build and sort of create uh, was, uh, it, it, that's, that's where my mindset is, is that, that the idea of business ownership or entrepreneurship or whether you, even if you work for others, it's about building and it's about creating and it's about, uh, it's about building a sort of a cohesive team, regardless of whether you're on your own or with others. So I just I thought I'd share that out there just to uh, sort of show you what some of that foundational uh, aspect of that was. Anyway, as you're as you're talking, I can you know see the onion being peeled back, and I understand Jason a little bit more, uh, having known you a little bit. Because I mean, we can talk about this because the statute of limitations has expired. But really, if you think about it, the 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 hubcaps situation that was really where entrepreneurship started. You you got a product low and you sold it high, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, you know, uh, living living with my uh, grandparents, there was something that my grandfather taught me at a young age that uh, has stuck with me on a really dramatic scale ever since. And that was, uh, you know, he told me he said, "Pick up all the keys you can." And I said, "Well, tell me, you know, what what does that mean?" And he said, "Well." You know, keys can be can be anything. He said it could be reading a book, it could be get, getting a degree, it could be meeting a new person, uh, taking a class, starting a business. All of those, he said, uh, just pick up as many keys as you can throughout your long, uh, young life. Well, throughout life in general, but really in your young life, because he said if you come upon a door and that door is locked and you and you passed up picking up that key, you only have yourself to blame. And although it it sort of clicked, of course, I was in fifth grade. You know, I mean, he talked to me like I was 30, um, but although I was in fifth grade, I, I got it. But as I got older, it, I, I got it even more. And so that's when I'm like, okay, you know, I, I went back to college and got a couple of, of degrees and, and have taken, I don't even know how many classes um, and, and read thousands of books. And, and it's because I'm passionate I, I look at it this way, really, not not just from the perspective of if I personally come a, a, you know, upon a door that's locked, but suppose I could pick up one of those keys, so to speak, and share that piece of knowledge with someone else. So when they come upon that door that's locked, they can maybe remember a lesson, uh, hopefully, that I was able to share with them at some point and help them get through that door. That is awesome. I I wish I would have learned that at a young age. <laughs> I spent I spent a lot of my twenties uh, avoiding the keys, and so that would have been tremendously helpful, you know, in my current state because I want to help other people, and the the keys are really the way to do that. Yeah, they are definitely. And, you know, and I want to make sure that I emphasize this, that my mother was one that taught me the most. And although there were certain periods of time um, where where there was uh, sort of disconnections, so to speak, um, she's still absolutely unbelievable. She taught me a a magnificent amount of lessons. She taught me also about uh, critical thinking and asking questions and being of service to the community. And I, I just want to make sure that I that I'm giving her magnificent amounts of credit because even though, like I said, there were certain periods of time where there was uh, uh, disconnections there, she was absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, I definitely can see the the other side that you bring. You're not 
firmly planted in business. It's not all business, business, business. I mean, I can definitely see the other side that you did get, you know, from your mother. And, you know, I think that led you to some more creative outlets. And, you know, one of those happened to be uh, being a graffiti artist. Can you Mm -hmm. speak to that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, growing up um, in in the situation that I did, you know, in in that, um, you know, with my with my mother uh, going through some of those trials that she was, um, she was a wildly talented and creative person. She was an artist. She was a singer. She was a model. She was a voiceover artist. She was all these things. And with that, um, my, my father also was a drummer. And I, so I think that there was a level of sort of art that bled over to me. And, and what I found with, with art when I was young, you know, because when you're young, I think there's already a level of angstiness that comes along with being an early teen and that kind of stuff all to begin with. But seeing the things that I had seen growing up, because I'm only sharing, you know, 5% of, of the experiences that, that I went through um, with that, I, I wanted to find it artwork that was in your face. And of course, yes, I am an A-type personality in an ENTJ and Myers-Briggs. I think it's Myers-Briggs. Anyway, whatever those things are. Um, so so I, I felt that graffiti was my my way to express in an in-your-face kind of manner. Take, you know, wh- whether it's good or bad, that's, that's a whole different conversation to be debated. Um, but uh, I did. I, I uh, was a graffiti artist for uh, uh, a decent portion of my teen years. And I still hold uh, th- there's my heart part, you know, part of my heart still still is there. And I'm still extremely dear friends with uh, people who are are still within that uh, world. And I'm I'm thankful for those friendships because we have seen a lot throughout the last Holy moly, time flies 25, 28 years, 30 years, whatever that looks like now. Yeah, for sure. And you know what? The the funny thing is that has really become a legitimate business now is the, you know, the graffiti artist style, uh, you know, painting the inside of warehouses or even outside walls of businesses like that. That type of artistry has been recognized now. Yeah, as a, you know, a legitimate form of art. And so it's interesting to see how that came full circle. So if that's something you want to get back into and life insurance doesn't work out, it sounds like <laughs> you've got an option there. <laughs> well, thankfully, life insurance is working out great. Um, but uh, no, I if, if anybody watching this interview uh, needs something uh, painted, definitely reach out. I can put you in touch with some wonderfully talented people who are very dear friends of mine. So that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of lessons learned there. I'll tell you that though. I uh, it's it's uh, something that I that, like I said I, I hold near and dear to my heart. That was a, a wonderful period of growth and creativeness and a creative outlet that was really a, to a large extent unmatched by anything that I feel like like I that I could have found at that point. Um, yeah, you know I could have done you know watercolors. Yeah, I could have done, but that didn't speak to me. It needed to be more of a, more of a loud type of uh, venue, so to speak. Yeah, that'll definitely do it. (laughs) (laughs) It did. So you talked about, you know, gaining entrepreneurship out of necessity, 
helping, you know, support uh, all the transitions your family was going through. Where did you lead from, you know, hubcaps to graffiti artists? Uh, where did you go from there? So uh, it went through a, it had done a lot of different types of businesses. And th those were part of the sort of keys that uh, I, I utilized that my grandfather taught me about um, learning about businesses firsthand. So instead of just reading about the business and, and overanalyzing it, I would try to learn about something along those lines and then just jump right into it. Um, so uh, a, a dear friend of mine uh, and myself many, many, many years ago had a window cleaning business. We knew nothing about the window cleaning business, nothing. We didn't have the right tools. Uh, you know, I think we were, we were in our late teens. Um, we're tearing screens apart, breaking things. We didn't know what the heck was going on, but uh, it was a trial by fire. And, and uh, you know, we did a handful of jobs for free because we did things uh, wrong. Um, but anyway, we'd, we'd done that. Um, I've had vending machine businesses. Uh, drapery cleaning businesses with another couple of uh, dear friends that was uh, in their ultra early 2000s. Um, you know, I, I've done a lot of really fun things. You know, I uh, worked over at a place called the Chalk Garden, which was a uh, high-end uh, clothing store for both men and women. And we had also a, a uh, department there that was antique jewelry. So I was able to spend uh, a few years really getting uh, a deep understanding of the antique antique jewelry business. Um, also, uh, fine clothing. You know, we were selling Giorgio Armani suits and those kind of fun things. Uh, so spent some time there, and then uh, uh, transitioned uh, around that time. It was actually around the time my mother died. Uh, that was uh, January first of nineteen ninety eight. My worst nightmare come true. She died in my arms at eleven forty eight that night. Um, and uh, it was uh, around that time um, I became a plumber. So uh, working seven days a week um, because around that time I was just trying to figure out what to do for my sister and I. And so uh, worked seven days a week, uh, did plumbing 45 of those hours. And then the rest of the time was selling fine clothing. So literally during the day was really nasty work. And then I'd race home and change into a suit and cruise back down to Trolley Square and uh, do that work until 930 at night or so. And, and did that seven days a week for, you know, quite some time. And honestly, I, I loved it. I mean, it was, you know, grueling the hours and so forth, but it was it was amazing. It was an amazing uh, period of time, um, an emotional period of time, of course, losing my mother. But it was an amazing growth period uh, from there. Um a very, very dear friend, Tony Reese, reached out to me and said, hey, Jason, there's this uh, network marketing business called USANA and I want you to get involved. And I said, OK, cool, let's do it, um, because, you know, that's sort of what you do. And especially, you know, in your in your early 20s, you know, you're just like, hey, let's let's try all the things. Um, because uh, actually right before that, in, in the late uh, 90s, what I used to do is go around to uh, the different restaurants where I where I thought stockbrokers hung out at. And uh, so like Lamb's Cafe downtown and some of those places. And I'd sit there with a notepad and I'd just say, hey, sit me next to all the, the, the ladies and gentlemen in suits. And so they would. And I'd just sit there and I'd take notes. I'd listen to them talking about investments and investment strategies. And I, so I'd write down the vocabulary words they were using. Um, I would just get a, a deep understanding of, of the world of investments at that time. Because, of course, the Internet at that period of time was... Um, I mean, it was still, of course, being built. So it was sort of half-baked. 
So I would learn about that stuff. And then I'd come home and, and I'd call my stockbroker, which at that time cost $40 a trade. So yeah, if you bought a share of stock, it was 40 bucks. And if you sold it, it was 40 bucks. So it was expensive uh, to do a stock trading at that point. But anyway, um, it was around that time I bought this uh, stock for 70, I think it was 71 cents, bought a thousand shares of it. So it was like 700 bucks or so. And, uh, and I wrote it for about two and a half years and uh, wrote it up to $25 a share. And so I turned that 700 bucks into $25,000 and sold my position and then just did other things. And, you know, some things won and some things I got my throat slit and that's what I call street university. But it was around that time that, like I said, Tony reached out and said, Hey, let's join this thing. And, and so anyway, we, uh, had some fun, we sold vitamins and we uh, were able to uh, go full time in a matter of about four months. And then uh, a couple of the diamond directors said, Hey, we want your team to go out to Hong Kong and launch Hong Kong with us. And so of course, Tony and I were like, let's do it. Cause you know, why not? Let's, let's move to Hong Kong and launch a business. And you know, I was 22 years old. And uh, so the initial idea was to move to Hong Kong. Well, go to Hong Kong for a week. I'm like, okay, I'll go for a week. And very, very quickly realized before we even left that a week is a total waste of time because Hong Kong, the way of doing business out there in the Far East is dramatically different than here. And so, uh, so before I left, um, I had already stretched it to two weeks and I'm, you know, I'm getting nervous. I'm 22 years old. You know, I've, I've got a plumbing job, which I was thankful for. And, you know, I, I did well with it. Um, you know, I had a townhouse that I'd bought when I was uh, 20 or 21 years old. And uh, yeah, so um, I had a, a, a girlfriend at the time um, living there and my sister and uh, bless their hearts. They were able to hold down the fort while I went out there to tackle the world. You know, I'm 22. I thought, man, I'm going to, I'm going to crush Hong Kong. I said that I'm going to crush Hong Kong. I'm going to go out there, man. I, I've got it all figured out. You don't have anything figured out when you're 22 years old and you sure as heck don't have anything figured out launching a business internationally. And so, uh, I, I moved out there and within about five days, I realized two weeks time was a pipe dream. So, uh, right at that time, I, I pushed it to a month. And then uh, within a few weeks, realizing that, you know, business in the Far East, again, it takes a lot of time and a lot of relationship building. And so that, uh, that period of time uh, elongated to a couple months and then a few months. And I, I don't remember exactly, but I think it ended up being around the four month time frame um, that, that uh, I stayed out there and uh, had some very dear friends uh, join out there, uh, like Tony Reese and, and Joey Peck and and uh, Derek Halls and, and some other uh, just wonderful people that were able to go out there and help build business. And then came, yeah, came back to America and came back as a changed, a changed person. I had my 23rd birthday out there um, on the uh, beach of the South China Sea uh, with a couple of uh, uh, clients who became ultra dear friends. And uh, yeah, we just threw rocks into the, into the dark abyss of the South China Sea. And that's how I spent my 23rd birthday. And then, uh, yeah, came back and, like I said, was able to implement a lot of the uh, lessons of growth, which were dramatic, to say the least, because it was straight up trial by fire. Um, after a month of being, I think it was maybe after a few weeks of being out there, um, I 
did some classes at the city city university of hong kong just by myself i actually just peeled off from the group and just went to try to learn and uh ended up with a certificate in international marketing because that's what that's what happened you just end up with a certificate so uh, that was an extremely good learning experience so yeah i mean I've been talking for a bit now. Thanks uh, for the the platform, but that's just sort of an in in a nutshell of a few things that I got involved with. And then uh, I'll, I'll I'll share this piece really quick. So I I had tea at at a tea house in I wouldn't call it a jungle per se, but it felt like it to me, especially when I was twenty two. But it was uh, on Lantau Island. Uh, we were going to hike across uh, Lantau Island, and uh, so had had tea out there, but I went into this uh, Buddhist monastery and I said, well, I'm going to go in there and, and hang out with the monks. And the other American I was with said, you can't just go in there and hang out with the monks. But of course, you know, when you're 22, you think, oh, you just do anything. And so I walked into this monastery and there was about uh, 20 or 30 uh, gentlemen who were uh, monks. And I said, hey, like, what's up? <laughs> and one of them came over and they said, can I help you? And I said, yeah, I just wanted to say hi and meet guys and, you know, whatever. And they said, well, you know, you're more than welcome to, uh, you know, have some tea with us and then we can meditate together. And I'm like, let's do this. And so that, that was the beginning of my experience of uh, meditation. And it was my first experience with tea on the traditional sense. Uh, fast forward that a little bit, uh, ended up starting a tea business with a very dear friend, MC. Um, but at that time, I, I had dislocated from the world of tea completely. I only had that experience. And then he said, hey, let's do this tea business. And I said, let's do a tea business. So we did that. So ultimately sold my shares in that business and started in the life insurance realm. But um and then had a lot of experiences in between that, you know, spent seven years uh, working with and consulting businesses about fundraising. Um, so I uh, had worked with probably 10,000 businesses all around the country, everything from Domino's Pizza franchises to Harley Davidson dealerships, doctors, dentists, and everything in between, um, helping them figure out uh, their personal and their business credit, their business plans, uh, their entity formations, and how how they could connect the dots on getting funding, whether it be through a, a debt uh, uh, institution. So like, you know, SBA loans and business credit cards and that kind of stuff, or whether we send them over to our uh, equity department for angel investors or possible venture capital. Wow. Incredible. That, that whole, <laughs> that whole story there of uh, all that you went through, uh, you know, first and foremost, I empathize with uh, you and your mom, you know, that is uh, never fun for anyone to have to experience that. Glad that you were willing to share that and to where you went from there, uh, because, you know, it's obviously something that is still a part of you and still rooted in how you're doing things nowadays. Uh, but I'm getting a recurring theme here of let's just jump into this. You know, that's, it seems to be your, your attitude and everything is, well, let's just jump into it. And uh, you mentioned also people who sit there and overanalyze. And I think we all get in the <clears throat> paralysis of analysis and overthink things and then just never take those actions. Is that something that you've always had is where it's just, Hey, I'll just jump into it. Or is that a learned behavior? 
Um, it's it's I, it's a bit of both, and I do think that there is a, a good level of learning when it comes to uh, taking levels of action because it's easy to overanalyze. You know, no nobody's perfect. Nobody can just automatically. Well, there's some people that can just automatically jump in without even really thinking about it. I do consider myself, uh, a, you know, a risk manager. Um, so I'll, I'll look at things, but I'll I'll take a look at it and say, okay, well, what's the worst possible case scenario in this situation? If the worst possible case scenario is death, then I triple down on the amount of thought I put into it. <laughs> or, or if it's going to uh, uh, physically maim, you know, or, or become a problem for, you know, me or someone else along those lines. Um, because, you know, I, I really uh, uh, am, am big on the uh, oath in the medical industry of do no harm. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't want to harm anybody else. And so I'll, I'll take a look at some of those things. Can it, can it kill? Can it harm? And if the answer is absolutely not, then of course, those decision, the, the decision-making processes, so to speak, can drop significantly. Um, can, it, can it harm financially? Well, anything and everything can potentially harm financially. Um, my, my main objective, I look at it as my 85 rule. I say, if when I'm 85 years old, I look back at my life, am I going to heavily regret not doing this thing? then I do it. And if I'm like, if I'm 85 and I look back and I just don't care if I did this thing or not, eh, then no big deal. Um, but the thing is that there's going to be some things that work and there's going to be some things that don't, and there's going to be some things that work really well. And there's going to be some things that straight up punch in your throat. And the catch is we need all of those to be a well-rounded individual. You can't always be on a winning streak, period, because if you are, those falls are going to be much more dramatic and severe. You have to have, like I, like, like I mentioned, street university is absolutely imperative. You have to get your butt kicked, and some of those butt kickings are going to be pretty severe, and you have to have them. They're, they're tough. They suck to go through but they're absolutely imperative for us to be able to, to, like I said, evolve as, as a, as a people. So then we can look back and learn from our own mistakes and share those mistakes with others and say, Hey, you know, cause I'll have, I'll have a good handful of people come to me and I'm very thankful to be able to provide some of this advice. And it, they might be trying to do something that I've done before and maybe I wasn't successful at, or maybe I only succeeded to a certain level. I'm not the one that says, don't do it. I'll never be that person. Oh, don't do it. It didn't work for me. I won't say that. I'll say, here's what did work for me in this experience. And here's what didn't work for me in this experience. So then they can take both those wins and those losses and navigate that experience on their own. Wow. Yeah. I've noticed that uh, when I've brought up conversations with you, you do present of the, here's the good, here's the bad. Now make your own decision. And I think people respect that because you're giving them well-informed advice. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I think that's important because the thing is just because there might've been something I've done in my past that either didn't, didn't work or I didn't spend the proper time or I didn't have the proper education for something doesn't mean it's not going to work for someone else. So I think that's important to, uh, to have those types of conversations with people because the thing is, you might not have had even the passion for a particular thing. Someone else might. And that passion could drive them to, to huge greatness. 
Yeah, absolutely. So one thing I will want to dig into a little bit is your, uh, you know, the business funding side of things where you were involved in that. Uh, a lot of people think they need the funding. And I feel like a lot of people can benefit from bootstrapping. Were there any times that you directed them away from funding? Obviously you being in the business, it might skew your perspective a little bit. Yeah, without a doubt, because the thing is, um, you know what? So, so uh, my colleagues and I, our, our titles at that point were uh, senior credit, uh, senior credit analysts. And our jobs were to, um, literally pick a business apart. We were there to take a look at all of the personal credit, all of the business credit, take a look if they had business plans, if they had an entity, what kind of entity was it? What is it? Was it a, a S corp, C corp? Was it a LLC? Was it a sole proprietorship? Um, take a look at their, their financial pro formas uh, and take a look at uh, what they were doing within their business. And I mean, we'd spend a bit of time with them on the phone. Cause like I said, we worked from coast to coast, every single state in the country. And uh, our jobs were to literally pick apart and say, okay, you, you say you need X amount. Uh, first of all, why? What do, you, what do you need this money for? And, and, and help them connect the dots on it. Because what I did find on a handful of occasions is that people were asking for a lot more than they needed. And in a lot of cases, they were asking for a lot more than they could even qualify for. The other thing that we found a lot of is <clears throat> people asking for angel investors or venture capitalists in businesses that uh, not only typically don't get that type of financing, um, but may not even, in essence, I, I wouldn't say deserve that kind of financing because that might be sort of harsh sounding. Um, but like, for instance, um, you know, sometimes we'd have restaurants come in and they'd be like, yeah, I need venture capital. Well, you know, there's maybe a few VC firms around the country that that would, you know, give to a, a restaurant. But for the most part, venture capitalists are not looking, uh, you know, to, to fund working capital for a restaurant. You know, they're they're looking to ten, they're they're looking to make ten investments, and they're they're expecting that probably five or six are going to die on the vine, and they're expecting that one or two are going to pop. And when I say pop, I'm talking you know, 10 x twenty x, or or much higher than that, of course. And so that's what we we were there to navigate, uh, giving people proper advice and 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 proper um, guidance on if if your business was was fundable at this point if it was set the uh, the proper expectations to the best of our ability and move them in that direction if the business was fundable but maybe there was holes in the business our jobs were to point those things out and say you know what you're probably you know you're probably a candidate for financing um, but here's the problems within your your overall business and profile that we need to button up before we even before we even waste anybody's time trying to move you forward. And then the the third type of business was a total pipe dream. Just not you're not getting funding from anybody. Uh, nobody's even going to lend you five bucks for lunch because it was just a problem across the board. And, and again, I'm not trying to sound judgmental or harsh, um, but when you're when you're a credit analyst in that type of capacity. Um, it would, we would have been doing people an injustice saying, yeah, absolutely. You're going to get funding when there just, there just wasn't a possibility. You know, the, the business was, uh, was not making money. 
Um, maybe there is extreme problems with credit. Maybe there were stacks of, of uh, you know, maybe there was, uh, you know, possible uh, lawsuits or there was tax problems. Um, you know, I mean, there's there's a there's a myriad of things. You know, there's there was no there was no easy answer on. Can I get funding? There was no yes or no because even with a good profile, they still might not get funding because of some other unique situation that you know our our job was to try and dig into and find what that was. There are a lot of those pipe dreams out there. People get married to the idea and jump into the idea, like you were jumping into a lot of these things. But you, like you said, your your process for analyzing it was completely different than the way most people probably look at the look into those things. Yeah, I think that there is a, a level of uh, analyzing that uh, took place even with my experience uh, as an analyst beforehand. But the catch is, and this is where where you you have to stay humble because no matter what level of of education you have, no matter how many books you've read, no matter how many different jobs or businesses you've had in the past, there's guaranteed to be either someone bigger, badder, faster, smarter, et cetera. But there's also guaranteed to be a situation that you've never seen before, that you've never read about, and you didn't learn in, in school, and that your friends can't teach you about who have been in business also. It's guaranteed there's going to be those situations. And, and I think uh, the, the business that I was in, the tea business, that was, that was one of those situations. Uh, it was a wonderful business. We had an astronomical amount of fun. Um, we, you know, we had it as an online business and, and sold around the country. Um, we did wholesale to coffee shops and restaurants. And then we started a store. And uh, we had a, a cute little tea house over on uh, 30, or sorry, 45th South and right off 900 East. And I'll tell you something, like running running a wholesale and online business uh, and then running a tea, like a, an actual brick and mortar, diametrically different. I mean, I'm talking diametrically different. And to a certain extent, they, they uh, were compatible. And there's other things that were totally incompatible. And here's one of the examples of the uh, incompatibleness, if that's a word. Uh, of of those two types of business models, uh, come November, uh, our coffee shops and restaurants, their usage of tea went up. Understandably so. You're going into the fall. People love tea in the fall, right? Well, if you didn't have proper inventory, not only here but also within your brick and mortar, now you have now you have inventory problems for your wholesale business. And so those were those were things that I you know I, I didn't step into it saying okay well we're going to have to make sure that we're properly properly inventoried not only for the online business but also for the store but then also for your wholesale business which is a separate business segment so there's a lot of things that you had to really learn trial by fire and um, it was a phenomenal growing experience and of course you know having a brick and mortar is it's fun you know I'm well it's it's both. It's it's fun because your friends and your family can drop by and have tea and hang out and and it's uh, there, there's something something sort of sexy about having a brick and mortar place like hey this is our place you know come and see us at our place you know it's it's fun um, the things that aren't fun are the things that uh, wake you up in a cold sweat on uh, Saturday night at two thirty in the morning 
<laughs> oh my gosh, I forgot this, or I didn't do this, or how am I going to connect the dots next week? You know, all that kind of stuff. Um, but the thing is that uh, I, I'm huge on trench experience. I call it trench experience. And that means I've been there. I've done that. Um, I didn't just read about it. I didn't just get a college degree in it. I didn't just talk to a friend about it. Um, I'm huge on the position of saying, if you're going to take advice, make sure you've taken it from someone who's been there and done that or is doing it. Because there is a level of understanding when you've been there, done that or doing it, which is diametrically different from someone who has just looked at it as, as a third party looking in. And part of that is, is the mental and emotional side of that growth, which is dramatic. And it's, and, and in certain cir circumstances, it is severe, which means that those learning opportunities are, are baked in for life, <laughs> whether you want it to or not, because, because you've been there on the front lines, you've, you've, you've sat in the trenches and you've had to figure those things out firsthand. Well, you mentioned, you know, the emotional aspect and that really can weigh on you, you know, versus reading a book. I mean, you can read about, say, war, but if you haven't been in the trenches, like you said, with, you know, things being lobbed at you and you have, uh, you know, all those emotions running through you, you really don't know what it's like. And exactly. So I definitely understand, you know, you've got to be able to take advice from those that have been in the trenches and, you know, you've kind of become a, a super connector of those people within the trench. You're sitting on the chamber of commerce, you host a mastermind each month, which is actually how we connected. And, you know, you seem to be everywhere and every place whenever life insurance gets brought up here in the local community. So Thank you. You've you've definitely been picking up those keys along the way. When it comes to connecting, like I said, it's it's all about being of service to the community. Um, I, I'm I'm huge on the idea that um, uh, you know of raising everybody's ship, so to speak, because it, being on the beach by yourself sucks, right? You want you want to have you want to have people succeed. And honestly, one of my one of my biggest things uh, that one of the things that makes me happiest is when I see others succeed. And if I'm able to connect them with somebody that helped them succeed, or if I was able to give them a tidbit or a book idea or connect them, you know, whatever that looks like, I love that the most. And, and, and I think that, um, you know, I mean, that's the reason why I'm involved with uh, uh, the Chamber of Commerce. Uh, that's why I'm involved with some of the other board of directors that I'm involved with is because I want to see uh, people succeed. I want to see people happy. I want to see them healthy. Um, you know, having people go backwards, it, it, it isn't good for anybody. And so if we can, if we can be that, uh, that person to share a, a word of optimism, uh, a word of hope, a word of, of proper advisement, that kind of stuff, you know, I think that's, uh, I think that, that ranks out everything else. That's just my personal, personal position about that. Yeah, absolutely. No, I've definitely seen that in you and appreciate that you're, you have this attitude of, you know, raising all the ships. Um, and one ship that we've, we've seen kind of take off uh, is something that you're pretty well versed in something that uh, you're very knowledgeable <clears throat> in, in that you wrote a book about it. 
no less a children's book about it. Um, tell me a little bit about the, uh, the, the blockchain and uh, cryptocurrency and some of the things you're doing with that. Uh, so, yeah. Um, so early on, actually, back when I was in the business finance space, um, because uh, I felt like part of my duty and job was to learn about all, all the things, you know, all the things that connect into the financial world on some sense or another. And uh, now that was called Bitcoin. And I was started reading about it <clears throat> in 2010 and 2011. I didn't do anything about it. I just read about it, you know, because at that point it was still a nascent technology. It was very foggy. It was just all over the place. And uh, had just sort of tracked on that for, for a while. And just wanting to, to learn a little bit more of the details about a concept of a, a decentralized uh, financial uh, tool. Um, and decentralized, just to uh, touch on that, means that it's not controlled by any central entity, whether it be a government or a central bank or a corporation, et cetera. And uh, I started going to a couple of the local meetups uh, back in uh, 16 and 17. A friend of mine, Will Bound who is a blockchain developer and just brilliant when it comes to this kind of stuff. He actually started coming to my tea house back in uh, 2014. And uh, he'd, he'd come down there and uh, a couple of uh, people would go back into the back and they'd talk about uh, mining Bitcoin. So I'd, I'd put together their tea and go back and talk to them a little bit about uh, mining and so forth. And, and I just got more and more and more interested. And honestly, I, it, it took a while for it to really click on the importance of the why. Um, so I, I tend to uh, explain to people that there's two types of people that that think about Bitcoin. Well, there's a lot of people that think about Bitcoin, but there's two types that, that I think understand it on a more granular basis, but one of them on a dramatically deeper scale than the other. One is there's the type of person that believes that there's a probability that the price will go up. So they buy in hopes to sell at a higher price. The other type of person I think is is uh, catching on to be a much larger part of the ecosystem, but it's the person that really understands the why of Bitcoin and the importance of Bitcoin, not from the perspective of the price going up, but from um, the perspective of having a decentralized monetary system and what it looks like for the future of humanity. At this point in time, Bitcoin is not a uh, medium of exchange. It's, it's not really trying to be that anyway at this moment in time. In essence, it's a competitor with gold. And the reason why I say it's a competitor with gold is because gold is a store of value. And that's really what Bitcoin is doing at this point in time. Is, uh, is, is becoming a digital store of value. So I do see it sort of siphoning uh, some of the uh, market capitalization from uh, gold over to Bitcoin. Uh, Bitcoin is, I, you know, I, I respect gold for what gold is as a store of value. And of course, we've understood gold for thousands of years. We've understood Bitcoin. Well, let's say we've known about Bitcoin uh, for 12 and it's only, it's, it, we're just barely scratching the surface on the understanding of why Bitcoin exists. Uh, I did uh, write a uh, children's uh, book about uh, Bitcoin and blockchain technology with two very uh, good friends. And uh, the reason why we did that 
you know, one day I, you know, I, I, I like to talk to my nieces about, you know, business and, you know, money and that kind of stuff. Cause I think it's important to teach the youth about how that stuff works. And uh, one day I said, gosh, you know, I, I want to write a children's book about this. One of the most uh, advanced, uh, complicated pieces of technology that most adults can't even dream of wrapping their head around. I'm like, that'll be a challenge. I said, so who do I know that has done it? Linda Rawson. She's written a couple of books and she's got a children's book. So I said, Linda, I give her a call. What's up? What get, you know, give her a call. Cause this is, this is how people that actually had like old school phones. You know what I mean? Like now, now if you, if you ask a millennial, how you pick up the phone, they say they do it like this. So sort of funny. Um, so anyway, so Linda, um, so I said, Hey, do you want to uh, team up with me and write a, a children's book about Bitcoin? And, and she's, she's, she, her and I have uh, similar uh, types of um, uh, uh, personalities. She said, yes. I'm like, all right, let's do this. So uh, yeah, we, we did that. And, um, and then I cruised down to uh, the world, uh, the world crypto convention down in Las Vegas back in 18, I guess it was. And uh, I went down with one copy because that's all, all we had. And it even had the banner around the front that said, you know, not for sale. And uh, my objective was to just walk everywhere the entire time with the book in my hand and talk to people. And when, when I'd walk up to a table, I'd put the book on the table and I wouldn't, I wouldn't even say anything about it. People were like, what's that? Oh, funny that you should ask. And I uh, ended up getting uh, interviewed. I think it was, it was three or four different uh, uh, podcasts and vlogs about the book. And then also had a, a few orders placed in the book before I even left. And it was funny because uh, I had someone come up and they said, Hey, I need to order, you know, 250 of those books from you. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like, I mean, I have to do an order because I don't have any. They're like, I'm seeing your book everywhere though. Everybody's got a copy of it. Well, it's because I walked everywhere the whole time and talked to everybody I could. And so the book looked like it was everywhere. It was hilarious. <laughs> that is awesome. I love, I love that story. And, you know, you've talked, you know, about some using similar strategies with, with hustle energy, knowing the story behind that and how it worked well to your advantage. Uh, just so we can make sure to give it a plug. It's the, the book is available on Amazon. Toshi, Toshi to the moon. Toshi to the moon. Uh, a great book. I've, I've bought it. I've read it. Uh, you know, I've, tried to help my children understand it. Uh, they're, they're still fairly young, but, uh, um, I, I was trying to explain, you know, the, the blockchain and Bitcoin and all this to some other people the other day, I didn't think to bring out your book. I probably should have, that would have put it on, on the right level of an introduction. Hey, this is, this is how it works. Yeah, really. Yeah. And, uh, sh and shout out to, uh, my other uh, business partner, Tim Roberry on that. And the illustrator is uh, Tim's brother, Ben Roberry. These guys are just awesome people and, and uh, talent, very talented. So I don't want to take too much of your time, but you mentioned it right at the top of the uh, recording, but I want to make sure we give uh, some proper time to your, your podcast uh, and you know, your YouTube channel as well. Yeah. So the podcast itself is called Always the Journey and can be found at alwaysthejourney.com. Um, I uh, haven't done a lot of the actual podcasts themselves for a while, but uh, Monique Higginson, um, which is just a, a, a force of, of energy and power in this uh, state of Utah. She's amazing. She was the last interview that I did on there. Um, but uh, about 
what, three months ago? Uh, anyway, I, I said, gosh, you know, I, what I wanted to do is create a hybrid of, uh, of that podcast and do a video, uh, a vlog, uh, sort of like what you, you've got going on here and uh, talk to people within the community uh, ultra specifically about their business. And I sort of looked at that as a, a community service, so to speak, um, trying to get more eyeballs on people's businesses and, uh, and try to you know, connect the dots and let people uh, know within my community about new people. And, and you were the number one uh, interview. So uh, congrats on that. That was a lot of fun. Um, and should, uh, should that, clarify first interview, not the number one interview. Oh <laughs> <laughs> well, man, to me, you're always number one. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate that. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah. So that one is, is it, it just shows up on YouTube under my name, Jason Woodland. Um, and, and so at some point when I, uh, really have some time to dedicate to, uh, figuring out YouTube, I, you know, I'll see if I can transition that and whatever, but it's, it's been a good time. That was one of those things where I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this thing. And so I just start interviewing, doing this thing. And, you know, I've learned a lot. I think I've got 39 interviews out right now. And, uh, yeah, you know, I, 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 I'm a trial by fire kind of character. You know, yes, I, I love learning from other people's uh, experiences, mistakes. That's important. And that's why I read as much as I do. Um, but doing is where you learn the most because you're forced to learn. So, yeah, I appreciate uh, the plug. Always the journey. So, Jason, I, like I mentioned, I don't want to take too much of your time. I really appreciate everything that you've provided here so far. So before I give you a chance to plug where people can best find you, I want to ask you one final question, personal or business. What is it that excites you about the future? Future always excites me because I'm an eternal optimist. Um, I I believe that uh, there's going to be a lot of really great things that uh, come out of this experience we've just gone through with 2020. Um, I think that uh, to a large extent, it's made us uh, stronger as a people. Uh, So I'm I'm extremely optimistic about the future of growth that I think that we can see uh, both from a uh, civic level uh, and an econ- economic level. And I think that there's been a lot of wonderful lessons that have come out of 2020. And I, my hope is that um, we can come out of this as a more empathetic. Is that the word? Empathetic? Yeah. Uh, people filled with empathy, you know, uh, thinking about uh, what, what can we do to put ourselves in other people's shoes? and to sort of walk a mile in their shoes, so to speak, and to uh, help one another and to build and create, create sustainably, uh, build amazing things, and to help others figure out what they need to do to uh, find their passions and build and take and just take action. And I think that we've got a lot of work ahead of us without a doubt. And I'm, I'm, full force. I'm all chips in on what do we need to do? And let's, let's work on the big things. I think that's the biggest thing is that we need to really focus on what the big things are and tackle those. So hopefully that answers your question. You know, I absolutely love that. I, I do believe we really need to lean into the empathy and understand where people are coming from because right now it's a lot of, they don't see it my way. So they're wrong. And that is not the way that we're going to learn and grow as a people. And so I, I love that you're all in on that. Uh, that really is a, a viable path forward. I want to make sure that people can connect with you. Where is the best way to do that? 
they can connect with me as uh, virtually all C social media platforms. So I am on uh, uh, Facebook, Jason Woodland. I am on uh, Instagram, Jason Woodland with the number one directly after it. Uh, same thing with Twitter at Jason Woodland with the number one directly after it. And then uh, LinkedIn. Um, I spend, uh, I spend as far as social media goes, probably uh, the bulk is going to be uh, found on Instagram and Twitter. Love those platforms. Lots, lots of good stuff there and fun stuff to learn. So yeah, hit, hit me up, say what's up. Perfect. Um, I, I definitely appreciate uh, you having me on your show today. Um, shout out to uh, uh, all my friends and, and community and family. Um, you know, I, I stand on the shoulder of, uh, of giants straight up. You know, I mean, yeah, I can, I can take the action. I can take the, you know, read the books. I can do the things. Um, but I'm, I'm not the kind of person that says uh, dues are paid and that's done. I'm a dues paid every, every single day type of character. I think that uh, there's lessons every day and that's what keeps, uh, you know, that's what keeps me humble because I know that uh, anything can change. Um, I'm ultra thankful to uh, uh, people throughout my entire life, uh, friends and family and, and uh, relationships. Um, I, uh, I take none of them for granted. Every single one of them I hold near and dear to my heart because there was lessons learned there. And, uh, and I thank them for the building blocks of the person I am today. I'll make sure to include links in the description so people can find you a little bit easier. Just click on that link. But thank you, Jason, for taking time out of your day. You know, I know I've gotten a ton of value out of this, so I know my audience has gotten value out of this. So I encourage you all to get out there and hustle the day.